Welcome to the Interim Whisperer Live. Our show is all about the future of work, what jobs and industries will be coming in to 2030. Uh, my Interim Whisperer tip of the week is pronouns. They're important. People connect with them. So many people may not say that they want to use a he or she pronoun. They will use them, they, the, themselves. We as people in the workplace need to realize that's really important. And it's not about what we want. It's really about what that person is asking for. It helps them to feel included when we use the proper pronouns. So today's guest, and you're going to have to tell me if I'm saying it correctly, honestly, Sammy, it's Sammy Aman Marrero. Yes, Sammy Heyman Marrero. Sammy oh. Heyman Marrero. <laughs> Sammy Heyman Marrero. Okay. Yes. I'm getting there. I should have You're asked. You're fine. Okay. You know, people respect the fact that even when we are not bilingual, we at least try. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Absolutely. So five words all about you. And then we're going to talk about Urbander. Super. Well, first off, let me back it up. We have been trying to make this happen for a while. So happy. Yay. <laughs> and where we me met. Me too is two years ago at the Good Network, Greater Orlando Organizational Development Network, where you guys were a presenter. And for me, your presentation and your company, it blew me out of the water, so to speak, because I went, I love this, this company. I love you. I love Shalanda. So could not have been Thank more grateful so to meet you. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to finally get a chance to have this one-on-one -on -one with you. And uh, thank you for the complimentary remarks too. I appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. Now, five words that you would use to describe you and why those five? They can be five separate words or it can be five words that's a phrase. That's what Shalanda did. Yes. Well, I, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. She's awesome to love her. So I would say strategic mm -hmm. is, is very important. I'm, I'm a strategy person, just all, always looking to understand. So I listen very well and then understand complex issues to try to put out that nine out of 10 times people come to us to solve problems because of the strate strategic mindset that we have in everything that we do. And so, yeah, so problem solving as part of the strategy, right? So that's that's a big thing. Very candid. My second word is candid, sometimes brutally honest, right? But I think that our clients specifically and our collaborators appreciate that because they know that it comes from a place of love and care, right? Mm -hmm. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be so straightforward. I'm like, no, 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 don't do this. What about do that, right? And it's really because I... I'm mindful of people's needs and I really want to help others shine. That's like my main thing, right? To edify others. And, and, and you have to sometimes be candid with that. I don't like beating around the bush. Let's just get to work. Right. I am direct also like you, some people don't understand that. So I'm glad that you are a direct can candid communicator also. Yes. I, and I try to be, and sometimes being quiet is important too. Right. And so knowing when to just, you know, it's not the time or the place. And <laughs> uh, cause sometimes you need to take a deep breath before you're candid because then it could antagonize people. And that's not the point either. Right. We don't want to do that. I think one of another, another thing to describe me and, and our team is that we're nimble. We can easily adapt, right, to different circumstances and contextual factors that might affect people's livelihoods, uh, work performance, campaigns, metrics, results, all of that. And so sometimes variables change spur of the moment. And some people say, oh, well, then forget about that. And we're like, no, no, no. How can we shift, right? Or, and, and this, the famous word pivot, right? Which is overused now, but really it's about being nimble and being adaptable. And so I think that's, that's uh, something that really characterizes us. Uh, the fourth word is creative. We love to create stuff from scratch. And I think that's one of our specialties uh, to really step in with a fresh set of eyes into any kind of industry or business environment and listen, as I mentioned before, and say, hey, how about 
X, Y, Z. And our favorite thing is to work with teams and be an extension of creative teams or marketing teams or human resources teams or DI teams that are open to trying new things and that no idea sounds too crazy or, you know, off the wall, right? Because that's where magic happens. Uh, So creativity is something really big for us. And last but not least, disruptive. And I think all of those things, you know, that I previously mentioned about being nimble, candid, creative, and strategic fall into that disruptive category, because we're not you know, if the status quo is not working, well, we need to, Shake it up. <laughs> you know, exactly. We need to start, we need to start anew, right? We need to create something new if what's in place is not helping everyone in an equitable way. Yep. Totally agree. How did the name Urbander come up? Well, normally I ask people, you know, where did you go to college and how did you get to where you are now? But I'm also curious about the Urbander. We can go in whatever direction you want. We can either start with where you went to school and how you got to where you are now with Urbander, or we can talk about how you came up with the name and touch on the school stuff later. So I'll I'll just give you a brief, brief overview. My background is in publishing. I went to school at the University of Puerto Rico and obtained a master's degree in communications and public communications. And when I was done, I realized that Puerto Rico was very, it's like who you know. It's a lot like Orlando, right? It's like who you know to be able to start a career and advance and all of that. And I didn't, I I just wanted to walk into a space where I would be able to start a career based on merit, right? And so I moved to New York. I have a large extended, my parents are what they call New Yorkans, you Mm -hmm. know, so born and raised in the Bronx. And so they took us and raised us in Puerto Rico. But after I I finished college, I went to New York because it's the media capital of the world. So I figured why not, right? Yeah. And so surely I was able to land a job in publishing, started working with the Spanish language magazines and uh, like people in Espanol, grammar in Espanol, all of that. And eventually I shifted into more mainstream publications. My last gig was with the New York Post. Mm-hmm. And, and how I started the company was because in 2008, I lost my job because wow. of the recession. Yeah. And so I went from having that wonderful six figure income, right? And living in Orlando, because I was able to negotiate that as part of my contract with the New York Post to having nothing, almost losing our house. It was just horrible, right? And so at that point, I'm like, okay, so what do I do? There's 500 people, you know, vying for that one job that I might want to, and I'm a Latina, you know? And so let's just be real, right? If there's white males on that line, they're going to probably give the, they're probably going to give John Smith the job before they give it to me. And so I said, you know what? It's time to put the machete between my teeth and just start my own business, right? I love it. <laughs> and so, and that's what we did. And so to answer your question about the name of the company, it's really funny because I started my company. We do strategic marketing and business development with a focus on DEI, right? And we didn't even know that's what it was 13 years ago when we started. But when we started the company, the first three clients were out of the state, out of the state of Florida, because we had no roots here. I was working for New York company out of my home in Orlando and traveling across the country. And so then I realized that Orlando is very much like Puerto Rico, again, who you know, right? And so the first three clients were out of state, good friends that I had, you know, developed relationships with in in the publishing world. And then I started going out and venturing out and and getting to know the who's who here locally. Regarding the um, name for Urban, our our LLC's name is Urbano Insights, because I just wanted to do consulting first in the multicultural space, right? But then I went to, it was a Puerto Rican Chamber of Commerce event, And I saw someone's business card. And although we do graphic design and branding, 
I love someone's logo. And I said, who did that for you? And they say, oh, this guy, Dario Camacho. And so Dario is now a good friend. But when I went to meet with him, he tells me, why is your company's name Urbano Insights? It's too long. And so we got into this three-hour discussion, right? Marketer to marketer. And finally, he told me, listen, you need something that is short, concise, and nondescript. So that way you can add on to your offerings. And I said, no, but I just want to do consulting. He says, okay, so let's say you're doing consulting for a company. And all of a sudden the client tells you, hey, Sami, I'm so happy with all the work you do, right? And all the strategy that you've helped us with, but we have an event coming up next year and I have $100,000 budget. Could you help us with that? What would you say? And I said, oh my goodness, I'd, I'd rip their arm off, right? And he says, so there you go. By saying Urbano Insights, you're pigeonholing yourself and you want to do something that's nondescript, like Nike, Pepsi, you know, all of these companies that have these names that what do they really mean? Nothing, right? It's whatever you build on onto it, right? And so that's it. So he gave me three options. This one's the one that kind of had a nice tone to it, Urban Dirt, and that's it. There's really... When I mm-hmm. hear Urbander, I I think of like herb, urban, non, well, no, suburbs. So mm-hmm. there is this place of in the suburbs, it's like a little bit more relaxed, right? And it's different people. <clears throat> but I also think of urban and I think that it also has a name that's more about ethnicity and and diversity. So I feel like it fits you perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And and that's the magic of it, right? That it's it's not up to you. You can't sometimes as as business owners, right? And I'm just talking across all industries, we become so attached to a name or brand. And we did this brand refresh after two years of being in business, right? And so it's because it becomes almost like your child, your baby. And so how could you alter? you know, the baby's name, but in the end, it's, it's good to take a step back and have, have, uh, you know, have experts come in with a fresh set of eyes, which is what we do too, to guide you through that process. So that way you can really scale and really create more bandwidth, right. To to be able to grow your business. My company originally was named internpursuit.tech and it was you know, the name itself was more identifying for students to find us. Mm-hmm. That was great. My paying customers, employers. And when I was talking with another, a different student at one point in time, we had come up with employers for change. And mm-hmm. I went, you know what? I like that so much better. And it just kind of sat on the shelf for mm-hmm. a little while. And I had uh, an intern that also designed the logo, the one that we have now. And mm-hmm. there came this place where it was last year, right in the quarter four, it was time to change the name. It was confusing. It was just time to change the name. And I went, okay, so rebranding. And it's kind of a big deal when you do it. Yes. It's scary because again, it's part of your identity as a, as an institution, as a company. But the thing is when your reputation precedes you at the end of the day, it's really you. You're the, you're the face of the brand. And so people are willing to go with you on that journey of reinventing yourself and just trying to make it bigger and better. Yeah. So true. That's very insightful. And there was something else that you had said, darn, I I should have taken like a little note um, because I was going, oh, that is true too. It'll come to me later. I like your back. Is that like a really like a drop screen that you have or green screen? What is that? So during our 10th year anniversary, we, we threw a big party. This was in 2018 and we developed these, these, they were these towers. They're seven feet tall and they, they, and we created like these columns. They were triangular columns with three sides with different topics. One is community outreach and empowerment, which we love to do. The other one is strategic marketing and branding. And the other one is workforce development. Where is it? It's somewhere here, but it's workforce development and and training, right? So those are the are are those were back then our three major buckets. Now we have like five major buckets that we work in. 
But it was so funny because after the event, my husband's like, oh, you should throw that away. It's taking up space, right? <laughs> In our home office. And then when COVID hit and we were stuck at home, I said, wait a second. And I put them back there. And so it depends on who I'm meeting with. I, sw- I swapped them out like I just did, yeah. you know? And so then, yeah, so it works. It actually works. And, I, and now I tell them, aha, you see? all that money we spent on those massive boards have have served us well. Yeah, it has. It's kind of like they call this thing a a step and repeat. And it looks like when you go to one of the really big conferences, you would have those things, you know, around your booth as well. That's what I'm imagining. But if you're doing anything that's even on the ground, like, you know, training, you could definitely have those up there. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. And it tells our story. It's very meaningful because it showcases all the work that we've done throughout the years. And so it's a reminder, right, that we've come a long way and that our business is growing, it's prosperous, and we're not broke. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, God, for that. Yes. Thank God for that. Absolutely. Yes. So that is, that is really good. Now, where did you go to school? How did you get to where you are at this point in time? Because I got the part about going to New York, but oh no, you said where you went to school. Never mind. We covered that. Yeah. And what you graduated with was communication. So you, you've done that. Have you always been in this space? Because honestly, I don't see you as a marketing firm. I thought that you were honestly in this, this OD HR space. Because you're helping people about diversity, understanding diversity, equity, inclusion. So are you marketing or are you, are you HR or are you both? I don't know. That's a, that's a very good question. So the thing with us is that we have the multidisciplinary expertise. And I think that that's, people say, so what's your competitive advantage or what separates you from other firms, right? And I think that it's, it's primarily two things. Number one is that we have the ability to to create content and and develop anything under the banner of communications very well in multiple languages. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that we have the the multidisciplinary expertise to support different types of departments, depending, so, so, For example, I was just talking to a lead generation company um, earlier today, and they're like, so who would be the perfect person to speak to at any given company? And I said, well, it depends. It could be HR if we're doing DEI. It could be supplier diversity managers or director as the CMO uh, if we're doing marketing, or it could be the corporate responsibility people if we're doing community relations, right? Because those are the four primary buckets that any company that is doing marketing or cultural competency or communications or DEI has to focus on. And they are number one, internally with their workforce, mm-hmm. right? Number two, they need to communicate internally with their workforce. Um, Number two, with their end consumer, whoever they may be. External, internal communications, external. Exactly. But then the external has three, right? It has your your end consumer, whoever brings in the revenue. Right. Suppliers. So diverse suppliers, right? And last but not least, the community at large, the disenfranchised, right? That's the the good work, Mm -hmm. you know? And And so we support those four areas in communications, in messaging, in content development, in strategy. And we love it. No two days, no two days are the same in my world. And and our clients have learned to come to us with the most cockamamie ideas you can imagine, you know, to execute. And and I want to say that nine out of 10 times we're like, hell yeah, let's do it, you know? And so, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're fearless that way. I love it. Oh my goodness. You know, I've done a lot of research on the HR industry, as well as marketing. And they're very parallel. As a matter of fact, by 2030, the expectation is that the roles will merge together. And to Mm -hmm. me, it does make sense because I go, "Hmm." in marketing, there's customer, you know, you're always looking to get customer, customer acquisition and 
you're fishing for customers. You do the same thing at a recruiting event. Mm -hmm. So then when you bring your customers in, there's an onboarding process. It's onboarding for obviously employees. Mm -hmm. When you want to keep people engaged, you're keeping your customers engaged as well as the other. So to me, they're very, very similar. I Well, honestly, I've said this many times on my show. Um, I think everything is like dating. Going back to a conversation <laughs> we had before, it's like, yeah. Take your time to get to know me before you whatever. Yes, before and and it's so funny that you say that cuz we tell clients that too, right? That we no. that not, we we tend to not go into lengthy retainers like for more than one year with clients be, we we like to start actually with like 4 to 6 months so mm -hmm. we can get to get, get to understand each other's vibes or the way we approach things um, so we can learn how to read each other's minds or not but we feel that it's all about the head heart and gut right if your gut oh my god yeah yes. something yes. yeah <laughs> i say the same thing i said you know so you know everything is about what you've got in here your yeah. heart now, i didn't add the gut thing but you know that gut feeling it it can't it ties the two together that's for sure Absolutely. And so sometimes the head says, yes, yes, yes. And the heart says, yes, yes, yes. But the gut, something, there's something gnawing at you. And so you need to listen to that. And so it's very important for us anyway, to make sure that from the get-go, we're setting values, roles, and expectations that we're clear and candid in the way we communicate and that we, we are effective. In, in building that relationship in the sense where the trust, you know, at the end of the four to six months, that dating period makes us feel okay with jumping into bed with each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, I can trust you. Um, what I'm seeing is ballroom dancing, dancing when you're describing that. It's like, I took some salsa classes and when I was doing it, the, you know, I was in the big, big classes that they had here in Orlando. And I decided, well, you know, I'll go take some, you know, smaller, some one-on-one. -on -one. And the partner said to me, he said, okay, well, you're trying to lead. You need to let me lead. And I went, all right. So like, you know, I'm doing that. And he said, now your timing's off. So you need to make sure that, you know, you're, you're paying attention to what it is as I'm leading you around so that you'll be able to respond appropriately. And I'm going, okay, you know, being in sync with each other and ballroom dancing or you know, salsa, whatever. Mm -hmm. the same thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I feel like I found my, my, my twin. I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you when you talk, you sound very similar to Shalanda. And I'm going, if I closed my eyes, I would almost say that like the way that you're speaking to you guys sound truly alike the words, but the way you say them, I went, gosh, darn. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Sholanda used to be a client of mine many moons ago, and we only knew each other by phone and virtually. We worked together for two years when she was the VP of Con Communications and Connectivity at the hospital in St. Croix. And so when she moved to Minnesota, we stayed in touch, right, through social media and LinkedIn. And then I heard that she was coming to Orlando. She reached out. And I loved her already back then, but then when she came to Orlando, it was like, we fell in love, right? I'm like, this, this chick is my sister from another mister, right? Mm -hmm. And so and so we've been joined at the hip since working very well together. She's a colleague, dear friend. She started her, she still works with Urbander, but she's starting her own business too, you know, because I just feel that as, a, as an entrepreneur of color, I know the freedom and the liberty, right? That that being an entrepreneur has brought to my life. And I, since I love her and she's my colleague and my friend, I want her to experience that too. And so when she came to me, she's like, hey, I'm thinking of, I'm like, go for it, mama. You absolutely need to do it, you know? And so it's just a wonderful feeling to see your your friends and your loved ones she's like my sister also grow in her own way you know so it's yeah. it's been fantastic yeah so so very nice what is your favorite quote that you live by but um, depends on the day like <laughs> <I like> things so <laughs> that might be your favorite quote 
It depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the day, right? So there, there are a couple, I want to say that in line with what I just shared about being an entrepreneur and, and falling into this, right? In Puerto Rico, we have a saying that it's better to be the head of a mouse than the tail of a lion, right? You know, that it's good to be, to, to be, the, I'd rather be the head of a mouse of a small agency than the tail in a big, you know, oh. corporation. Yes, but so that that definitely is something that aligns with this entrepreneurial spirit that I've exercised in the last 13 years. But then also, I think that, you know, other other mottos or quotes is keep it simple, stupid. I also live by if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sometimes people want to make something simple, so complex. And sometimes what works just works, right? Um, and so, um, uh, and, and again, there's so many sayings that are appropriate depending on the circumstances. So, but right now I would say it's, it's that it's just, you know, it's better to be the head of a mouse than the tail of a line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the one that Shalanda shared also that she said, one of her mentors had given her, it was to trust your people but verify, trust and verify. And you know what, that's really good. Yes, totally. Yes. Yeah. Which is another, I I was going to say too, it's like, if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, (laughs) it's a duck. Yeah. That's the other thing. You know, it's like, you can't, sometimes it's more about like-mindedness in terms of collaborating and paving the way for successful business partnership or project or what have you. And, you know, I'm not one to insist on fitting a round peg into a square box. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it, right? And so I've learned with maturity and with age that, you know, you know, we're not everything for everybody and that's okay. And so I, you know, we've learned to also be a resource. So if I can't do it, you know, we'll find, we'll help you find out who can help you. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's more important and that's how you build reputation too. Oh, right. Um, By by knowing when, again, to be quiet and take a step back, you know, and, 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 and to us anyway, it's important to me to exercise that horizontal leadership at any given moment, you know, our creative director could be taking the lead, you know, Shalanda could be taking the lead. I'll take the lead. Chris will take, I mean, so we have like a team of people and it depends on the project at hand or the problem at hand that we're trying to solve, you know, we'll leave it up to whoever has the best ability or Mm -hmm. know-how to solve it, to step in and give the, how do you say the the, the recommendation, and then we'll make a decision collectively, right? At the end of the day, it's my responsibility as the president of Urbander, but still I value people's opinion because I don't know it all, <laughs> so, you know? And so well, my, my job is to round, surround myself by smart people. So mm-hmm. that way, you know, it looks like I know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I think that it doesn't look like that. It, it, it just means that you're a really wise leader because a leader, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the head of the company, the, mm-hmm. the mouse or the, the tail, yeah. you still mm-hmm. have to know when to lead and when to follow, so to speak, mm-hmm. pun intended. I remember the other thing I was going to mention when you were talking about your business <clears throat> and mentioning about it being like a baby. For me, I do not see my company that way at all. I sit here and I go, I would not sell a, a child. Mm-hmm. I would not do that. So for me, yes, I throw a lot of energy into it. Yeah. However, I know it's, it's an entity, it's a vehicle, um, you know, a way to get from A to B, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not emotionally attached to it. Yeah. Instance for me. Yes. And- me, me too. Me too. But now I changed my perspective um, during COVID because my kids have been, they've seen this right throughout their lifetimes, you know, about us being business owners and working, you know, we work from home. So this virtual thing, we've been doing it for 13 years. So, you know, we, we, again, nimble, right. We were able to easily adapt. And so it was funny because I'm 51, I'm going to be 52 years old now. And I told my husband during the summer, I says, you know what? I says, this is great. Hopefully, you know, in the next 10 years, this thing about equity won't be a thing anymore it's resolved. Imagine that, right? And yeah. so Urbander either has to shift 
to do something else, maybe the production arm of it, the storytelling part of it, right? The content development will focus more on that, which is great. I love it because it's creative. But I told him, or we just sell it or just close shop. And my daughter was in the room, you know, she's 12. And she was hearing us speak. And she's like, wait, what? She's like, no, what about me? And I said, what about you? No one's talking to you, right? And she <laughs> says, She's like, no, because in 10 years, I'll be, I'll be old enough and I'll be the president of Urbender. Isn't that awesome? And so then the legacy, I know you just said the word. And to to me, it was like, oh my God, we've created, we're creating a legacy for our kids, right? They're seeing that that's an option now, you know, whereas in in my family, it was all about public service. You know, my father, my uncles, my, you know, everybody were teachers and firemen and, you know, they all worked in, in, for public service, you know, giving back and servant leadership. And so I I think that entrepreneurship, you can exercise servant leadership too, especially in in my case, for example, I I believe that um, entrepreneurship and activism are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm very involved in the community, too. But to see my daughter wanting to take ownership of that, you know, really. Yeah. What, what well, this is what I'm taking away from that is what she's seen is the work that has been done, you know, as she's growing up, she gets it. She can understand the commitment. I believe that she would want to honor the reputation that has been established and take that on is, you know, something of substance. You mentioned servant leadership. I'm all but dissertation for a PhD, and it's always been on servant leadership. Mm-hmm. I see very parallel paths between peer and reverse mentoring because mm-hmm. they're, you know, mentoring is very servant-like also. It's not necessarily the leadership side, but yeah. a servant leader near and dear to my heart, man, if you want to sit down and we can have lunch sometime, tamales. Yeah, make them or not, but like <laughs> not the Puerto Rican ones, but the Mexican tamales. Yes, I just had some. I, we were just on vacation in Mexico. Oh, I know. Yeah. It was so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that for her, though, in the last two years since they've been home more because of COVID is when she she really was around to yeah. hear me in meetings and to understand what it is we do. And so then. Yeah, I think that, you know, so you look at this whole, yeah, this whole situation with COVID. And so I always try to see the silver lining. And I feel like one of one of the positives is that my kids now understand what we do. And and they also, I think, value, you know, all the hard work that we put into, you know, making sure that that they're okay. Yeah. And and I, I love the fact that she's going, what about me? Because she sees the potential of what a woman can do also. Yes, that too. So yeah, it's, and, and it also makes me feel that she's an independent thinker. She's not, you know, that she's, she be and confident too. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just so many, there's so many layers to that comment. What about me? You yeah. know, that I was like, yeah, I, it makes me feel um, that I'm doing something right. Cause even raising kids. Oof, that's it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Let me tell it's you. <laughs> I used to be a public classroom teacher. I taught middle and high school kids. And I would tell you, it was like a, a huge compliment when they would leave something for me because that age group, they do not. Oh. And they would write some really touching, yeah. touching, you know, letters to me. But it was also one of the things I taught in the projects for the middle school and mm-hmm. they don't do Jack for you. And no. I had them like my students, again, truly honored. They all went and they're poor kids. Mm-hmm. One of them went to uh, Sam's, their mother, and they, I liked fireballs. And she came back with this giant container of fireballs. And I went, oh, my God, because I knew that meant something. And this mm-hmm. other kid, I really liked him a lot. Uh, he went and he had no money. His parents were both in jail and he was 12. He went and he lived with his grandmother. He went and got a card and he ripped out the signature. He wrote happy birthday in it. He came and he brought in this little basket of tattered silk flowers. And it was like the best present I ever received in my, my whole life. So 
many times you, we as adults, we never know what the impact is we have on our children, on mm -hmm. this, you know, the people that are in our lives. Mm -hmm. I, I would go into parent conferences and I would honestly say, your kid is listening to you way more than you ever know. So mm -hmm. just keep that in mind. And yeah. your daughter is obviously, you know, going, this is what I want to be. I want to be yeah. like my mom. So yes, <laughs> yeah. you are doing awesome as a parent. Thank you. Sometimes I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but when she said that, I'm like, okay, I guess we're not, it's not too shabby of a job, you know? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to, we're, I'm going to give you one more question and then we're going to take a break and then go to the second half of the show, but the most influential person in your life and why? The most influential person in my, my life was my dad. He passed away almost four years ago and he just taught me by, by his actions and his behavior, how to be compassionate with other people, how to be generous with what you have, how to, and how to collaborate, right? He was, he loved people. He loved people. He, he was just a, just a magnificent man and I miss him a lot. And yeah, and how to also, you know, navigate BS, right? And, and, and try to fix things, right? And try to be an agent of change. So that, that's, that's who he was. He was just unapologetic, uh, fearless, really sharp, and just a dedicated, you know, um, person um, for, for others. His, his life mission was to save lives. He used to work in traffic safety. And so, yeah, that, that's, he's the most influential, most influential person in my life. Very compassionate, generous person. Mm -hmm. What's his name? Sam, Sam Heyman. So I'm junior. He, they, I'm, okay. I'm for him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that's why. Yeah. Are you first yeah. born? Is that it? Or Oh yeah. I'm first born. They wanted a boy and there comes Sami. So then here you go. But yeah, everyone says I'm the spitting image of him though. You know, and you should see me in the mornings before I shave my mustache. <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. All right. So we're going to take just a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, uh, Cat5 Studios, and we'll be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Back to our show here, COVID. Now you've mentioned COVID many, many times here. And in this second half of the show, just so you have a point of reference, we usually talk about what would 2030 look like? What are the skills people would use? What do we think the jobs might be? And you know, if it's specific job titles, that's great. But I definitely feel like COVID demonstrated that for us. And I also believe that it's obviously gonna be remote. It's obviously going to be way more automated than probably what we have now. And who knows where the VR, AR, robots, whatever. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think that anything that has to do with the service industries are going to be growing, right? That th Those are areas that are going to grow. Obviously, like technology, automation. So we're talking food. We're talking yeah. about health. You know, um, the basic human needs is something to always look at. Um, because that that will never go away. Mm -hmm. I think that people should start thinking about multilingual being becoming multilingual oh. um, because the the globe is shrinking. And mm -hmm. so it's an asset nowadays to be able to command more than one language. And so that I think that that is a point of differentiation that whether you're in the workforce or in business, you have to take into account. And I also think that, transportation, whether it be telepathic, right? I mean, let's go there, right? Or physical is, is also going to be something that's uh, going to be accelerated. I feel like we're going to be able to get to places quicker in, in the future. And so that's just my, my perception. Communications also is always going to be 
their storytelling education, I feel is going to take a, a different shift. So anything innovative in the um, education space is, is uh, wise to go into. And so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the customary big pillars of society, but very service driven. Some of the areas that are people like I always think about Mad Max when I'm thinking about the future. Right. Mm -hmm. And skills that people are kind of like saying, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. I want the but carpentry, you know, uh, welding. I mean, all of these skills that are needed to build things. Yeah. are going to be critical too, because everyone, again, is vying for these big, fancy, you know, industries or, uh, and, and are forgetting about, you know, that these skill sets are going to be, are, are always going to be needed. Like I cannot agree with that. you more because yeah. at some point in time, yes, Mad Max, the grid is going down. And when it does, <laughs> those that do not know how to do anything with their hands, like grow food, be able to wash your clothes in a stream, whatever. Yeah. This is not going to be this world that we live in. It will go down and things are going to be different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so then, you know, cooking, every anything that has to do with food or building things, shelter, how to build things, right? And, and protect each other, even um, natural healing, right? Holistic medicine and and stuff like that just having certain kind of know-how that that um is attached to survival skills and it's it, it sounds a little bit not morbid or you know no. fatal but but it let's let's be real look what we're going through now right yeah so i i think that those kinds of skills are are highly are going to become highly valued Mm -hmm. Those people that shear sheep, I sometimes watch those videos on Facebook, not very often, but I go, my God, they're really fast. And they, <laughs> and they take that sheep down to like, you know, I'm going, isn't it cold now? I don't know. But you know, the, you can take the, the wool from the sheep, you turn it into either yarn or some type of fabric. Like I wouldn't know how to do that. So mm -hmm. what are we going to be doing? we we're very casual with how we discard clothing when maybe we need to be thinking about sustainable, you know, materials, taking up, I don't know, crochet, knitting, you know, making all of those things. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that, yeah, it sounds, it sounds, how do you say, but it's, it goes back to keep it simple, right. Yep. Or back to basics, you know, and, and, and that you can never go wrong with no having some basic skills. And that includes, how do you say, with your hands, skills with your hands, motor skills, but then also soft skills too, like relating to different kinds of people because you're going to need to. At some I point. personally think that the home garden is going to be super, super necessary because mm -hmm. when I go in the grocery store, I go, the production line is having a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. I go in to pick any grocery store, but I'll say Publix and I can see empty shelves and I go, people better have some chickens and they better be okay with eating vegetables because stuff is going to happen here. I, I think yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is then rules and policies need to change. So for example, I live in a community where the HOA won't allow for that right so at some point something's got to give because you have to pe put people first oh yeah and I, I think that that's something that i we're all experiencing right now is this exercising humanship and and really thinking about people first be people before the buck right and yes. so i think i think that hopefully you know little by little we're chipping away yeah. And we're becoming more, we have this collective conscience that um, will make yes. us, you know, survive, <laughs> you know, because if you automate everything that can be automated and you put robots out there, there are some workers, we'll call them essential workers mm -hmm. that have been in the workplace that people don't think about. And those are the, the immigrants, migrants that are actually mm -hmm. picking the vegetables out of the orchards and, you know, obviously farms. Then there's the dishwashers and the, you know, any of the restaurants that we frequent. And then there's also those people that, you know, they, they are not going to be able to be skilled to be a programmer. They're not going to be able to have, because of whatever their disabilities might be, there's limitations and we cannot 
take care of everybody like that. So morally, I sit here and I go, but is that something we should be doing? Because maybe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Upskilling, upskilling, upskilling people's, you know, people in terms of, you know, for example, immigrant, uh, migrant communities that don't command English, you know, then equip them with the language skills and job readiness skills to be able to. But they're not going to be picking vegetables. So what is it that they do then? And I understand you're saying give them language skills so that they can go there. But I'm also talking about people that have more of not necessarily migrants, but have some type of neurodiverse. Right. Right. Physical or emotional or mental skills where they are not going to be able to work. But there's like things I think that they can do. And it would be like creating super beautiful cards. Yes, absolutely. There's always a, a, a task that can be done by whomever. Mm-hmm. And so it's about, about doing assessments that are mindful yeah. of people's abilities, right? And so then I think that everybody has the capacity to learn given the right environment and the right resources. And so uh, many times, you know, for example, migrant workers that, you know, uh, that pick our food, for example, right. right? They live vicariously through their kids. That's why education is so important for us, you know, uh, because we know that that's our, no pun intended, passport, you know, to building generational wealth and a legacy for our families. Mm-hmm. I think, I personally think that entrepreneurship is the key for yeah. underserved and disenfranchised communities, because again, it provides you with the liberty and the space to develop your own skills. The thing is that we're under invested communities, you know, because we're, we don't, we are not afforded the luxury of generational wealth. So for example, when I lost my job in 2008, it's like, it was like, what's the minimal, minimal viable product? I need a computer. I have my brain, right? I have my expertise. And I know how to communicate, right? And I have my roller decks back then, right? And mm-hmm. so that was my minimal viable product to go to market. And yeah. so how do we, you equip all of these people, a lot of talent that goes un, untapped, really, because they don't have access, equitable access to the resources or the funding that they need to be able to develop their business. And so I wasn't afforded time for research and development. I needed to put food on the table, right? And Mm -hmm. so like me, a lot of, you know, I know a lot of immigrants that come from Venezuela, people that come from Puerto Rico, migrants from Puerto Rico, displaced people from Maria, highly educated. They're doctors and vets and lawyers and teachers and secretaries. And I mean, These are highly educated people that come here and just because of the language barrier or because, again, back back to it's who you know, right? They don't have the social capital to be able to, you know, really tap into their abilities, their knowledge, the knowledge that they've already acquired. And so then that that's not, you know, it's difficult for them to contribute to their full capacity because they don't have equal access to opportunity and to the resources that they need. They became the Uber and the Lyft drivers. Exactly. Yeah. My my dad didn't have, you know, after I graduated from college, my dad didn't tell me, okay, mama, you know, here's 30 grand. You know, you could take six months off and go and figure out if you want to start a business. Right. And we, we, we don't have, you know, that, that luxury no. of, yeah, of generational wealth. And so then that's my my goal and 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 my goal um for for the future is that that legacy that I want to leave my kids is is to build generational wealth you know and i i think that also disenfranchised and and marginalized uh, communities that are underserved and un, um underrepresented through entrepreneurship can deliver social justice to themselves you know there's another group that we don't ever really think about and that's the the gray community and i'm going to call them the the people that have retired because mm-hmm. they may not have the ability to live on their social security mm-hmm. and what are they going to be doing they're working in publics because yes. that's something that's there i i think that there's a lot of people that we don't remember and that particular race everybody's going to get older mm-hmm. so race is not the factor anymore when we're looking at generational wealth mm-hmm. it can be that 
you know, your, your family, what you, you didn't, save and you weren't responsible with your money, that could be one of the things, right? But it can be so much more than that. And I feel mm -hmm. like the the mindset of families also needs to be, this is way off topic, but an entrepreneur, we need to be thinking about making sure that we've set aside money. So mm -hmm. we're demonstrating, you know, like, oh, COVID happened. Well, what do we do? We have enough money saved. Our business is able to, you know, continue yeah. to survive. And mm -hmm. then, okay, when somebody retires? Are we teaching people how to have generational? Yes. Yes. To take care of themselves. Yes, totally. To be stewards, right? Stewards. Respons responsible stewards of their finances. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Totally get it there. So when I was doing some research and I was looking at multicultural diversity, some of the topics they came up and I know we've talked about them, but I, I'll go ahead and mention them. It said in 2030, um, teams will be way more diverse, inclusive, and remote. And you've said, man, the world is shrinking. That is for sure. I think that being multilingual is truly necessary. And one of my interns is deaf. And so mm -hmm. sign language, people don't think about that. Sign language is another language. Mm -hmm. And being able to communicate to that community is really, really important it must feel very isolating. I would think to have people go, Oh, I don't know how to, you can't hear me. So yeah, you that can't understand me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not being understood. Different. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely an inclusion variable that needs to be worked on. And we've talked a lot about making things accessible all the way across and making sure that like closed caption is on there. One of the things that another deaf student had told me is, well, closed caption is okay, but if the person is not speaking clearly or enunciating words, then the word deaf, D-E-A-F, will sound like deaf, D-E-A-T-H. Mm -hmm. So accessibility, yes. when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, that's mm -hmm. you know, truly important. The second thing that they mentioned is effective communication. And I know you've been talking about that because that is your, your whole background. Your life is built around there. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel that communication could even be more effective? I, I think that you hit it on the nail when you were saying listening. Yes. And so I think that to be an effective communicator, you have to first listen mm -hmm. and, and understand where people are coming from, what the contextual factors that affect how they perceive the world and how they're being perceived by others, what their preferences in terms of learning and communicating are, and how they, they how do you say, favor certain styles of communication versus others, right? Some people, you know, and, 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 and again, going back to being nimble, it's, you know, when you listen to people carefully, and with, with interest, genuine interest, it becomes more of a meaningful relationship and it's a two-way street. Then, then they, you know, because respect begets respect and listening is a form of respect. Okay. And so I just feel that that's, that's a skill that people need to practice a little bit more uh, to listen carefully to others, because then you'll be able to adapt the way you approach them and alleviate stress, confusion, misunderstandings, and really pave the way for successful outcomes and for a successful relationship or meeting your goals or whatever it is, right? That positive result that you're looking to yield from that interaction. And so, yeah, I just feel like at the end of any interaction, at least from my point of view, I want the person to come out of it saying she, she, she sees me. She yeah. understands oh, me. That is yeah. so true. Like, you know, you're seeing, you're actually seeing. Yeah. yeah so yeah, she feels me right again. It goes back to the head, heart and gut, right? She really cares about me. She really knows what I'm going through. I might not experience to have had that experience, but I, I want, I try, right, to let people know, I think I get where you're coming from. And while I might not have had that experience, you know, I, I feel, feel it, you know, I, I feel you, I see you, I hear you. 
Mm -hmm. I teach three-year-olds and I talk about this just about every week now. I teach three-year-olds at my church Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. thing that I I've learned the most is working with three-year-olds really teaches me to be a better person that interacts with human, you know, grown adult learners. Um, because a three-year-old, they walk in the room, well, first off, they're tiny, but you know, they come in and they see me go, Oh, Miss Isabella, you know, and they run and they hug you, right? You you feel seen, I feel seen, I feel mm -hmm. loved, I feel, you know, like I matter. Yeah. And then the other thing that I believe a three-year-old teaches us is, you know, in this whole space of inclusion is really like listening. And they could be like having a meltdown. Where's my mom? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I go, Oh, let's, let's go look at the window and look at this bug. You know, I can say a bug and it doesn't matter, male, female, they all go oh, bug. Let's go look at it. And they're like wiping off their little tears off their face. Um, but they're very nimble um, and able to switch gears very quickly. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that as adults, we, we don't transition as well. Mm -hmm. We'll hold yeah. on to that. So they, they definitely demonstrate that they're accepting. They, they don't care who sits down at the table or the floor next to them. If they're playing with Legos. Oh, what? Here's a Lego here. Use that, you know, or they may say, Nope, I want it, <laughs> but you know, they're very honest <laughs> about their emotions. Yes. And, and talking about emotions, right. Mm -hmm. It's about, they're also okay with being vulnerable. Oh, and I think that as adults, that's something that, especially the, these last two years, we've had to, it's not even that we've, we've gone there. I think most, most human beings that have been through this COVID experience, right? I mean, you have to be like shallow to not have been affected by this. But I can, I'm the first one to say, I, yeah, I've had my moments, right? Where I'm like, this deep sense of anxiety or loss of, you know, of, or, and of doubt and confusion and, and it's okay. It's okay. I think that that also, it's a childlike quality that this whole pandemic has allowed us to tap into and people are more sensible, you know, also about, you know, people being late and it's like, does it really matter? You know, does it really matter? You know, if I, yeah, yeah. If it's not going to matter, you know, in a couple of months, then why make such a big deal out of it? Right. Is, you know, so I think people are become a little bit, it's not even lenient. It's just understanding. A little I bit call more it grace, you know, yeah. extending the gift of grace is like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. beyond mercy. It's beyond yeah. forgiveness. It's yeah. great. It's like, I am not going to bring anything up to you. Yes, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're here at the end of our show. So it's just flown by. I want to have lunch <laughs> with you for sure. And one of the things that I always ask our guests here at the end is how can our listeners contact you? you know, website, social channels, email, LinkedIn, what would you like for people to reach out? Oh, well, to? LinkedIn, Sami Heyman Marrero, but then also our website, urbander.com. There's a contact form there. You can reach it. You can fill it out and send it in. And yeah, I'd be more than happy to get back to you. And, and, and that's a pet peeve of mine. Just mm -hmm. so everyone knows, answering, like with the emails, I send something or so, I receive it. I'm like in receipt, even if I don't go in detail, you know, uh, with a response. But I, I really try to communicate with people within a few hours at most, you know, the very next day. But yeah, I, yeah it's, 24 it's, hours it's, is fair now, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but that's already pushing it. I tend to reply to people, whether by text, phone or email within two, three hours, because mm -hmm. yeah, I, 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 I value, right. That they took oh, the, the effort of emailing, you know, or reaching out to me. So yeah. I want to be, I want to be mindful of that. Well, I want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to the production team, our video interns, Chase McDowell, David Ullman, and Efren Suarez, and Keisha Perez. Uh, music by Sophie Lloyd, Charles Fleming, Elijah Sutton, and Dave Francis. Our sound effects, Eric Peterson, Matt Miller, Miguel Centra, and Dave Francis. Visit employers, the number four, change at www.e.com. 
number four, letter C dot tech, T-E-C-H, to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while skilling your people for the future. I want to thank you, Semi, so much. So very, yeah. very much. This and is thank great. you. Thank you so much, Isa. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Oh, so good. Thank you.